Good morning and welcome to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, the president of Yankee Institute. And for our first edition of YCT Matters 2023 style, we are so fortunate to be joined by the one and only Terry Wood. And Terry is an esteemed and longtime former member of the Connecticut legislature. She served Darien and parts of Norwalk for years in the state legislature. And then she left in order to uh, make an effort to serve the people of Connecticut as secretary of the state. However, in what what can only be described as a terrible lapse in judgment um, that on the part of our voters that did not happen. And she is now, however, uh, in what can be described as the state's lost but Yankee Institute's gain, a fellow at Yankee Institute. And we are so delighted to have her here the week of the first uh, opening of the legislature in 2023 to give us an experienced eyes on the ground view of what it's like to be a member of the legislature as it opens in a long session. So Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, a pleasure, Carol. Really, I've always loved the work you all do and feel very just grateful for to have had the opportunity to serve in Connecticut for 14 years. And I watched opening day ceremonies today. I wasn't sure I would. And then when you mentioned this podcast, I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch just so I can recap it accurately, because sitting there, it's it's slightly different than watching it from home. But I just, it brought back all the wonderful emotions that you have on opening day. It's a big day. So just, they all gabbled in at 10 o'clock. Right. So let's talk about what it's like as a legislator to be there and to be part of the opening day at the state legislature, what what do you do? What is it like? Can you just give us a little, I guess what I'm asking for is some color commentary. Yeah, color commentary. Um, they start promptly at 10 o'clock and the current speaker is Matt Ritter, um, who's in his second term as speaker. And his father was also speaker about 30 years ago. And he comes from an esteemed family, um, moms on the state Supreme Court, ju- sitting justice. And he gavels, well, actually, he didn't gavel everybody in. Uh, the state representative, Michelle Cook, gaveled everyone in because Matt had not been yet elected speaker. So there are a lot of protocols and and practices that they follow in accordance with our Constitution. So why why was Michelle Cook the person who gaveled everyone in, Terry? She was chosen by the Democratic leadership to gavel everyone in and do the roll call of all the members, because all the members have to be sworn in. Right. And they hold their right hand and they take the oath of office in gr- in a group. And that whole process takes about 30 minutes. But opening, I, I want to mention, too, what was striking is there's always, every day we're in session in the House chamber, There's a chaplain that offers an opening day prayer or a prayer on regular days, but today was opening day. So there's a lot of ceremony. And the woman gave a very good prayer. Um, I I thought she tied in Damar Hamlin and how everyone came together and the emotion behind that where this just this freak accident and how 100,000 people in the stadium were silent and knelt in prayer and how we need to recognize the difference between vanity and significance. 
and that we need to not be tied to vanity and political grandstanding, but do the work of substance and significance and come together and how that that has been a beautiful moment in our country, watching people galvanize in prayer for this young man who is still in critical care as a critical condition. Yes. And, and, you know, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, but it, it really has been wonderful to see, hasn't it, Terry, about uh, how uh, watching the response to Damar Hamlin across the yes. country. And uh, I was watching with my son when it all happened on Monday mm-hmm. night. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it really does exemplify uh, the best of America. And what I really think of as what is truly America, I, th- I think mm-hmm. the media tries to convince us that we're all at odds with each other and that we all hate each other and we're all fighting with one another and all the rest. But when you look at the outpouring of affection for Damar Hamlin and, mm-hmm. you know, contrary to what people sometimes try and convince us, you know, it had nothing to do with race. It had nothing right. to do with right. class. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with politics politics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the immediate response on the part of everyone, including on ESPN, a Disney property, and I know a lot of people have been mad at Disney, but, you know, people prayed, they bowed their heads and they prayed. And to me, it's been the most heartening thing I've seen in such a long time, because it really is proof that the America now, I'm telling you, we just can't get past this. Um, you know the America we've all known and loved has uh, has has not gone anywhere. It's here. Correct, correct. And we both the speaker went after he was sworn in, Matt Redder, and the majority leader Jason Rojas, and then the minority leader Vin Candelora mentioned that there is a lot of work that gets done in Hartford in a bipartisan way. Yeah. In fact, they've all voted seventy five percent of the time together. And that was my experience working in Hartford. There was a great deal that we agreed on, far more that we agreed on than we didn't. Yeah. Um, And I think that's, to your point, I think the press sometimes, the press, and also there are a few elected legislators, sadly, that drive a division of hate, hate, and it's wrong. But it's only a few. And they shouldn't have the the soapbox they do. But I, I think they do create a lot of noise on social media and we need to rise above that. Yeah. And And that was a very strong message today. I think that's right. And, you know, the thing is, I don't think there's anything wrong with people disagreeing and and drawing sharp contrasts and mixing it up. You know, Mm -hmm. we've always been a place of robust debate, but I think we can do it, you know, without the animus and without the personal attacks and all the rest. And that's what I look forward to seeing. And that's what we've always tried to do here at Yankee. Right. And you have to one of my my first term 14 years ago now was about six weeks in. I, I went to my political mentor, one wonderful woman named Libby Florin, representing Greenwich and North Stamford. And I said, well, it's really a lot of political, a lot of partisan noise here. And she said, treat it like background noise. And that was that was such great advice. And I have passed that along to a lot of people because it was a new new situation for me. And I think when you learn, yes, you don't have to bite at the bait for all yeah. the bait that gets thrown out there. Just rise above it and go to the substance of the issue and ask questions. Well, what do you mean by that? And what what detail makes this a good policy? And I think that's important um, to understand that. And bringing back in 
some of the other messaging today, Matt Bitter, the Speaker of the House, had someone do some research on former speakers' opening day remarks, which <laughs> entailed going into a lot of archives. And he came up with a Speaker of the House from 1860, 1864, 1920, and 1942, all of which were very tumultuous political times. Yes. Certainly the Civil War was about to happen in 1860, 1864. We were just about to wrap it up. 1920, financial situations. And then 1942, a world war. Right. And the speakers all said, we can rise above this. We can work together and we need to focus on that. And that the leadership we have right now in the House is very much focused on that. And I'm I'm deeply enthused about what's going to get done this year because they are such good people with good hearts and also significant intelligence. Uh, that's that's wonderful. So heartening to hear. So, uh, Terry, talk to us a little bit about what else is going to happen this today. So people have been sworn in. Mm-hmm. Um, and now what is the rest of their day going to look like? So in the House gets sworn in at the same time as the Senate. I did not watch the Senate swearing in, um, but it, obviously shorter because there are fewer senators. Right. The governor will be sworn in, I believe, at noon. So mm-hmm. in another 15 minutes, he right. will be sworn in. And then he addresses what's called the joint session. And joint session is where in the well of the House, so there are 151 state representatives, 28 of whom are new this year. Um, and then... We have space in the what they call the well of the house, which is where in front of all the seats where the 151 state representatives sit to set up chairs for the senators to come down into what's called joint session, which is has to be opened legally and procedurally um, by inviting the Senate in. And then the governor is never allowed into the House chamber unless invited which I thought was such an interesting protocol. And everyone sticks to that. So there's there are certain things that are just sacred. And, yeah, kind of like a separation of powers thing. Correct. Absolutely right. And the governor is escorted in by the majority leader, minority leader, Senate president, and Speaker of the House. So he is brought from his office, which is only steps away from the House chamber, and ushered into the House chamber, gives his remarks, and typically about 20 minutes, 25 mm-hmm. minutes, and then leaves. And then that pretty much does sets the day and the day is done at that point. You might have a meeting uh-huh. after that with some legislators you're working on a piece of legislation because people are already starting to submit legislation. Sure. And in the what's happening right now is there's they're setting the rules for the session. House rules for procedures in the session that have already been agreed upon by the leaders. Yes. And what I find so interesting is that unlike, for example, in the federal system, um, that 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 the state house and the state senate, their co-chairman of every committee and all the hearings are held jointly. Correct. Which is a good I think it works it very well. It's the efficient. joint committees. It's, yeah, efficient. it's efficient. Right. Um and and you know, much less issue um than you know having to run everything through two different bodies mm-hmm. yes and, very much and, so and so in terms of committee assignments uh, are those mm-hmm. already determined and yes how does that happen exactly terry good good question so after everyone is elected in november within two or three days the democrats and the republicans meet in the legislative office building in hartford which is right next to the state capitol 
and they elect their leadership. And at that point, um, you also start getting paperwork. Which committees do you want to be on? Which committees do you absolutely want no part of? <laughs> um, <laughs> there are 28 committees, and the state representatives serve on approximately three. State senators serve on, you know, three to five. Well, four to five. Because, again, there are fewer state senators. Mm-hmm. Um, and most everyone gets the pick of what they want. I was always happy with the assignments I was given. Um, and there wasn't any committee I didn't want to be on. Sure. And I, it just because they're all, I found them all interesting. Yes. And if you're intellectually curious, it's a, it's a really amazing experience. So that's how it gets chosen. And then you meet with the minority, the minority leader or the majority leader on, and you have a, you know, 20 minute conference on what you want to achieve in the next two years and which committees you feel you're best suited for. Most everyone gets what they want. Yeah. And so then there's going to be an inaugural ball for the governor. Yes. Tonight, six o'clock at the Bushnell. Open invitation is what I understand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ticket prices from the junior ticket price, if you're under a certain age to, uh, you know, whatever you want to support the governor with. And so So, in in some ways, the governor's address before the joint session today, mm -hmm. it is a little bit like his the analog to the president's inaugural address. It's just he gets to do it inside. (laughs) Yes, yes, correct. Um, And uh, although two years ago, he did it via Zoom. Yes, And the other thing of note is that they finally, they being the majority party, um, which has the majority in both the House and the Senate, they set the rules for the building. And there, there are going to be public hearings held in person, committee meetings held in person, first time in close to three years. Mm-hmm. Is March of 2020, March 13th, I think, or March yep. 10th, 12th was the last day we were there. We were in chamber voting because we knew this. This virus was fast approaching and we'd probably be shut down for two weeks. Right. I remember <laughs> everybody thinking it was going to be about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Not so. Yeah. But then 15, Zoom. 15 days to slow the curve. 15. Right. Or right. to, to sh- what was it? To something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It, there was something. Um, and even last year. So the last two full years, we've been Zoom for public hearings, Zoom for committee meetings. And you lose a lot. It's not nearly as effective as meeting person to person, face to face. You just get so much more out of it. Um, If someone is ill and not able to come in for a public hearing or committee meeting, there will be a Zoom opportunity. However, what has been consistent is when we are voting in the House chamber, you must be on campus. So they did the modification they made for um, COVID was your office was outfitted with your laptop and the tech services there managed brilliantly to allow voting capability from your office. So if you really didn't want to be in the House chamber voting, you could vote from your office. But last by the end of last year, everyone, we were all in the House chamber. Sure. Voting, except a few people. So it's just much, it's better because you can you can work with the other legislators and run around the floor saying, what about, you know, I think we need to amend this. Can What do you feel about this language? It's just, you can't do that on Zoom. No, you can't. The one, the one upside for people who find it hard to, um, to get there uh, for 
testimony, you know, people who own a small business, but still want to be heard and maybe can't take a day off work. I've always felt so badly. And I felt in some ways that it is a systemic disadvantage to, you know, people who are proponents of small government, lower taxes, people who tend to be part of that sort of, um, you know, the the people who are working hard at, at jobs where they are not readily uh, replaced or readily filled in for, um, because you know I've seen them up there. And Yankee Institute works hard to be their their eyes, ears, and voice, but right. there is nothing like having people with the real on the ground experience. And yet, you know, to ask someone to take a day to drive to Hartford to sit there for who knows how long, Correct. you know, to be able to speak for a hard two minutes is you know, it's a lot to ask. And what do you think about that? Well, it's a good point. And I think that's that was one of the benefits that did come out of COVID um, was the ability for people to be in their homes or offices and to do a remote public testimony. And the public testimonies are three minutes. Three, two. yeah, two. Something, You're right. Some, You're right. Somewhere it feels two. like two. Yeah, I know. Well, Washington might be two minutes. I think yeah. that's where. Um, but it is a hard stop at three minutes. And quite frankly, you can say what you need to say in three minutes. Yeah. So uh, I think the salient points are are made. Um, so I think it is going to be helpful. Public hearings um, are going to be a hybrid. It's the committee meetings that are not going to be hybrid. And I think that's my makes understanding. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the committee meetings is when you're voting things out of committee, ready to either go to the floor of the House or floor of the Senate. And you want to have a robust discussion with your colleagues in the same room. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's just something distorted about looking at a screen and seeing someone's head without seeing what their shoulders are doing. And it becomes a little weird. It's, it does. A, it's, a, it's another dimension that, uh, you know, so I think everyone's very happy. Both sides of the aisle are very happy to have the committee meetings back in person and the hybrid option, to your point. It, it does. I've had business owners come up and testify and they had to give up a whole day out of their business. And that's that's hurt. That's hard. Yeah, very hard it, to accomplish it is. that. It is. No, yeah. I think it'll be a, a nice mix and it will be nice to have the activity back in the building. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, so this you year, develop the friendships and yes. the relationships. Sometimes people would give a testimony and I'd have a few more questions and I didn't want to tie up the whole committee with my questions because uh, yeah. you just have to know when to just oh yeah go out to the hall and say, I need more information. The rest of the committee wants to move on. Yeah. So <laughs> know when to hold them, when to fold them. And um, we've all been so, trapped on Zooms with people, you know, who yeah, who just it, it, exhaustible question it's like okay let's move on Um, right so you could go out to the hall and have a direct conversation with someone and a personal conversation it just makes all the difference in the world building those relationships in person no i think you're right and um and like so much else when i came to um yankee and started working a little bit you know in the capital or at least you know, tangentially through some of our folks up at the Capitol, you know, it is so interesting because like everything else in life, so much there is about personal relationships. Yes, absolutely. That That's that's 90% of it or more is developing relationships and always, mm-hmm. always being a woman or man of your word, always. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, in our last couple minutes here, Terry, I was wondering, 
Um, so what do you think uh, we should be watching for in this new session? Um, you know, just to a, a normal person out in Connecticut looking, you know, keeping an eye on things a little bit as they go about their lives. Um, what are the big issues you think will be standing out this session? Um, great question. And the majority leader, Jason Rojas, in his remarks gave more specificity on what the Democrats are going to be looking to solve and are looking to address. And one is the housing issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen it the last couple of years where they've looked at it's uh, boy looking at a piece of legislation i always say what what problem are we solving and does this solve a problem mm-hmm. and i think there's a, a large there's a lot of rhetoric around housing affordable housing and we need to do a deeper dive on the details there's housing that affects all kinds of different communities and the one size, and I hate to use, I try not to talk in cliches, one size fits all. There have been some top-down mandates that have come out of Hartford the last couple of years or efforts that have become deeply divisive. Agreed. Yeah, and unnecessarily so. And driven by a few people in positions of responsibility who should have behaved far better than they did. I mean, yes. people on social media that were just attacking those who disagreed with them. It's like, oh my gosh. Everything you're accusing on the national level, you're doing, um, which is such a disappointment because they don't need to do that. No, and imputing bad motives to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's really unfortunate because I think, you know, you get so far in life if you can always just at least until proven otherwise, um, try and attribute good motives to people even when you disagree with them. Correct. We are a country that believes innocent until proven guilty. Right. And yes, those false narratives and those false accusations only complicate the process. Housing is an important topic, and we need to have a substantive conversation around the facts and how do we move that forward. So certainly that's going to be one of the efforts, initiatives, and also education always. Um, Yes. We need to do a better job around education because particularly in the urban districts, the kids and the outcomes are just not, they need to be improved. Our accountability and transparency around the education, again, particularly the urban districts, um, we need to have more accountability and transparency, how the funding is spent and why the outcomes are still failing these kids. Yes. So many parents want school choice. They want more school opportunity. They want more opportunities for accountability and transparency in these districts. Yes. So those are, and certainly the budget is always, how do we continue to deliver services in an effective way um, without too much government, without too much layers of bureaucracy, too many layers of bureaucracy. But that that's, <laughs> it's, that's not the way they state the, the legislation, but that's, (laughs) we're all, I think both sides are always looking at how can we do a better job streamlining, but we will certainly hear in another hour from the governor what his, because he's already, he and his team have already put together their message on what they're going to be looking at. And his budget, the governor's budget will come out beginning of February with another 
joint session. And that's always another big day where visitors come in and they hear specifics around the governor's proposal today. Proposals today, he will give his overriding message of what he's looking to create and inspire. Which is good, you know. It's it's a it's a really lovely day, and I hope people are able to tune in and and listen to it. You can always see it on cga.ct.gov, and it is always uh, illuminating to uh, to do that. You know, it's uh, interesting to see it's our government, and it's fun to have eyes on it. Yes, and we and do. important. Yeah, it is important for more people to understand the details, and as legislators. We need to make sure things can be explained simply. Yep. If it takes 15 sentences to say something, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, Let's right. dial it back. <laughs> I've always thought that anything, um, you know, when something gets too difficult to explain, there's a reason why, and it's not usually a good one. So, um, but I'll tell you, someone who has made it uh, easy to understand and interesting and who has been um, really uh, an example of what a legislator should be in every way is you, Terry. And mm-hmm. I am grateful for you offering the color commentary uh, about what it is like to be a, a legislator on swearing-in day and a little bit about the protocol and the pomp and circumstance of today. And we are thrilled that you will be with us as a fellow. And we look forward to uh, all kinds of uh, interesting interesting and uh, informative and fun things to come. And so we are very grateful to you for joining us on this edition yes. of YCT Matters. Well, thank you, Carol. It was and, a pleasure. And we are grateful to all our listeners uh, for joining us on this edition of YCT Matters. And we look forward to being with you again next time. This is Carol platt Liebau, president of Yankee Institute. Talk with you next time. I'll show you around this place I call home.